Less than 24 hours, Georgians will be under a shelter-in-place order. McDonald, though, said he did not know the man was handcuffed and was trying to use his foot to pin him to the ground so he could be handcuffed. If your friends, neighbors, or local organizations are not complying, report them to us. Hello and welcome to the Free Georgia Podcast. My name is Jake Green. Thank you for joining us today. Um, little housekeeping, please subscribe. If you find this episode entertaining, informative, just anything useful in this podcast, please su- subscribe, like. We're on you know, Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, anywhere you can see a podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of the above. Um, so please do that. It would greatly help us get the message out there farther and wider. Or is it further and wider? I don't know. Either one. Actually, no, that's going to bug me. Is it further or farther? I think it's further because it's not a physical distance. Wow. Okay. Anyway, um, it is still Educational Freedom and Parental Rights Month. And today we're going to be talking to Elizabeth Melton, who is the Communications Director for LP Georgia. So let's get to it. All right, and here's Elizabeth Melton, who's the Communications Director for LP Georgia. Elizabeth, thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. I guess technically you're my boss um, within LP Georgia, huh? Well, yeah, I guess technically. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet. Well, I won't grill you too hard then. Um, But... It is since it is Educational Freedom and Parental Rights Month. Um, we've been focusing on that a lot with David DeLugas and Ryan Graham, um, and I know that you have a lot to to uh, share about homeschooling and unschooling. Um, what's your experience with these two things? Well, with the Libertarian Party, we think that. Um educational freedom is parental rights are very important issues. And the, um, it's a a classic example of taking charge of your children's education to homeschool them. And it's very important thing that we should be able to do that. And so we want to support that with the Libertarian party of Georgia. So we have a homeschooling group that we have, um, online groups on Facebook and then we, because we want to help support people that are on that journey because it can be very intimidating going into it. And so I homeschooled or essentially unschooled two children to adulthood. And it was most of the, one of the most rewarding experiences that I have ever had. And so if I can help anyone else to have that experience, then, yeah, I want, I want to be able to do that. Nice. Yeah, I do remember when I was growing up, we moved to Virginia um, and started homeschooling for the year that we lived there. And it was by far my favorite year of schooling that I ever had. <laughs> um, we like, I don't know, we set our own schedules. It seemed a lot more freeing. Um, I learned more than I had before and it was just way more, uh, way more fun and effective, I think. Well, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about 
education and what exactly that means. Hmm. And I know one of those things is that education starts on a certain date, the first day of kindergarten, and then ends on a final date, which is your, your last day of high school, unless you go on to college and then it ends your last day of college. And I don't think that that's really a good way of looking at education. I think it's more of a natural, organic thing. And it's something that should be taken place throughout your lifetime. So when people first think about taking their children's education into their own hands, it can be very intimidating because they have this idea that, oh my goodness, I'm going to mess something up. They're going to miss something. And then they're just never going to be able to go back and, and recover that. And, and it's just not true. Children are very able to learn even on their own when they're ready to learn. And the way that our system is set up is set up for what is the ideal situation? What is the median situation for groups of children? It's not customized for individuals at all. So when people think about, okay, they should know this by this grade level, they should know this by this grade level, that's nothing more than an efficient system that's put in place so that they know what to teach in the classroom. It doesn't mean that if a child learns something a little bit more quickly than that, or if they don't learn it until two years later, that somehow they failed. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, as far as the intimidation factor, I can understand how taking on that kind of responsibility would be super intimidating. Um, as well as like, not, not just on the education side, but on the like knowledge side and the time. And can you, can you just talk about like how long, like how much goes into that on the parent side? Well, that's because parents have this misconception that they have to recreate a traditional classroom in their home. And you don't have to do that. That's not the only way to learn. And it isn't even necessarily the best way to learn. And they also think that you have to have some sort of set curriculum, that you have to have a certain amount of written work done. And it's almost like if the children aren't miserable enough, then you're not doing a good job if for some reason they're happy and having fun that, okay, this isn't proper education. And I know when I went to school, they had all kinds of, like if they had learning games or anything that was fun, that was always done as a reward for having spent the whole day in misery. <laughs> and it, it's like you can learn some things just as easy, just as easily in a fun way as you can sitting there and tediously write doing written work or worksheets. You can learn fractions from Legos actually far more efficiently than you can by doing written work. But for some reason, again, people look at that and, and they're like, no, this isn't proper school. They have to be sitting still. They have to be writing. And it's just not true. Not only is it not true, it's not the best way to learn. Mm. 
Yeah, now that was such a good way to put it. Like, even if you're learning while you're having fun, they like when I was growing up, they did not care to do that. They wanted you just sitting there being quiet and learning the way they wanted you to learn. And, yeah. And that's just like, that's definitely not conducive to my personality. Like I, there, I learned so little in class and most of my learning was done outside of class. Um, so that's well, really, and, yeah, go for it. And, and, you know, personality is a huge thing because children learn differently. And so I always excelled at academic work. I, I loved reading. I was good at test taking, but it's really not, an indication that someone is smarter than another person because some people are more hands-on. Um, it, it's, it's just not good to have a one size fits all scenario when it comes to education. And I think that so many people fall through the cracks and that they fall through the cracks because it's geared toward one type of personality and one type of child. And Anyone who is doing something that they're engaged in and that they're passionate about, they're not going to want to get into trouble. They're going to be too focused on doing what they're doing. And so when we have all of these, these children that they can't capture them, they can't help them find their passion, then they go out, they get into trouble, they lead lives of crime or whatever. But, but they wouldn't be doing that if school fulfilled the proper function of let's help each individual child find what they're good at, find what they love, what they're passionate about, and then help them to do that. But every, every child's not going to want to learn Shakespeare or everyone's not good at math. And, and they also want to focus all of the time on okay, let's help you build up your weaknesses. We're going to completely ignore your strengths. You can read okay, but you're not good at math. So we're just not going to read. We're going to make you do math all the time. It, it, that just doesn't even make sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't at all. Um, can you dive a little bit into the, the differences between homeschooling and unschooling? So homeschooling essentially would be any method that you use that where you teach at home. But unschooling is a little bit different because it gives the children more freedom to direct their own education. So like my children actually started out going to Catholic school. And so, you know, me with my libertarian anti-authoritarian personality i guess that kind of rubs off <laughs> on your children some maybe but they they didn't do well um and it wasn't that they weren't as smart as everyone else but that rigid structure of okay come in unpack your book bag sit down we're going to do this for 20 minutes we're going to do this for 30 minutes mm. okay now it's time to to do this that or the other they they just couldn't conform to that mm. and 
so my younger child, especially he was born, he, he was like a ray of sunshine. He was this happy, joyful child. And I saw as the years went by, he went all the way up through second grade. And it was like every year more and more, I saw that light become extinguished mm. and this, this bright, happy child become upset, anxious. And it had nothing to do with him. He, I mean, it wasn't that he was disobedient. It wasn't that he was trying to be bad. It wasn't that he didn't want to succeed. But the minute he would sit down and get focused on reading, then it was time to move on to something else. And he just couldn't transition that fast. So when I started homeschooling them, I actually worked. I, I worked part time and that allowed me the hours that I needed to homeschool them. But so then I tried to do the same thing that a lot of parents do, which is, okay, this is what we're going to do. And then we would struggle through to try to get them to do it. And it's like I taught school for seven years before I went to work in the corporate world. And I look back on all of the things that I did with my students who weren't ready to learn them. And it wasn't successful. They would memorize it, they would take a test, and then they would forget it because it didn't mean anything to them. So I'm like, no, this is a good opportunity. We have the opportunity now to have a personalized experience for them. And so this is the way that we're going to do it. So every day we would do some writing, some math and some reading. And after that, it was all self-directed as to what they wanted to learn. And as time went by, they became more and more independent in the kinds of things that they wanted to do. So my younger son, who has struggled so much, he started picking up musical instruments. I had a keyboard and I let him take that keyboard into his room and he taught himself how to play. And then he decided that he wanted to try the guitar. So he tried that. He tried the bass. And then he, he even played around with the drums a little bit. And so he became a musician. And then he started enrolling himself in these sound engineering courses. And this is something I couldn't have taught him sound engineering. And he certainly couldn't have learned it in school. They didn't have things like that. This is something that he entirely, he would go out, he would find the workshops, he would sign himself up for it. And all I would do was like, bring him lunch and leave him alone. We made sure that he had a, a Mac, which was what he needed to do all that. He needed with the audio snake. So we made sure that he had the tools that he needed to do it. And then he took it from there. And so by the time he was 17, he was filling in as a bass player for different bands and going on tours. Wow. And yeah, he would never, ever have been able to have that experience had he been in a traditional classroom. He may have not even 
picked up an instrument at all and found out that he had that gift because every single night was you get up at the crack of dawn, you go to school, you come home exhausted, you do homework till midnight, you know, so yeah. And then, so once he graduated, he decided that he wanted to do something different. And because he had already been on the road for six months, he, he just was very independent at that point. So he got in his car, he drove out to Montana, he joined the Conservation Corps, and he worked out there for six months, um, put, a, put aside some money because he wanted to further his education and because they offer an educational grant when you do that. Hmm. And yeah, it, it just was, he, by the time he was 21 years old, he had been more places from Poughkeepsie, New York, down to Miami, Florida, St. Louis touring. He had had more experiences than a lot of people have in a lifetime. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it sounds like it, rather than just being told what to do and how to think, you're, it's more of an exploration on your own, kind of exploring, you know, your own personality, what you like, what you are good at, and actually following what you would want to do rather than, you know, having a super structured education. Yes, yes. And, and so it's like everyone needs to be able to know how to read and write. Mm -hmm. And everyone needs to be able to do some basic math. Yeah. And beyond that, it's yeah. So we would have different things. And you know, we did belong to a homeschool group. And that homeschool group had a very active teen group. And they also had a twice yearly co-op. And so parents would teach classes and then the children could choose two different classes to take. So yeah. twice a year we would go and we would do that co-op and that exposed them to a lot of different things. Um, and, and we taught some, like we, we spent a year reading Shakespeare. Um, we studied government. We went up to, DC took a trip up there. Um, and then part of that, that, um, study of government was doing like different things that you would never do in school. Like, okay, let's go to a protest and see hmm. how, what this is all about. And, and just having discussions, a lot of what we learned came down to just talking about things. And just having intellectual discussions about things, which are experiences that a lot of kids, they, they just don't get. You go sit in a class and you generally get talked to rather than participating in a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually just thinking today, like, I, would, I wish I had kept my economics textbook from high school because I don't know what I learned, but it has no relevance to anything that I've ever done in my life. <laughs> um, and it's just funny, like on my own, you know, I've gone and read a bunch of Austrian ec 
economists and all that kind of stuff and creature from Jekyll Island and everything. And I learned more about economy by searching out books that I wanted to, to learn than, than I did from any type of schooling. Yeah. So I remember one of the things that we would do sometimes is we would take walks around the neighborhood mm -hmm. and we would um, like point out different things and learn the Spanish words for them. Okay. And yeah, so and, and at the time they were like, yeah, you know, this is okay, but they never remembered any of it. And then, so just a couple of years ago, um, my younger son, he decided, you know, I think I want to learn Spanish. And so he got on Duolingo and he learned Spanish and then he learned French. And then he tried a little bit of Russian, a little bit of Arabic. Uh, a lot of different things. And so now he's to the point where he can, he can speak conversational French, Italian, and Spanish mm -hmm. simply because he just decided that he wanted to do that. And I can tell you that if you try to teach a child a foreign language that has no interest in learning a foreign language, they're not going to learn it. <laughs> But yeah, that, because he's finished, because he's finished with high school, it didn't mean that he couldn't go back and do that once he chose to do it because he's done it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. I definitely learned a lot more um, foreign language related things. I'm not fluent in anything, but I learned more Spanish when I worked in Dallas with, you know, the Mexican population there. Um, working with all those guys and gals, um, learn more Spanish there than I did, than I ever did in high school. It's, it's and, and that's where, where he has kind of perfected this is just going out and finding people and, and conversing with them. Mm -hmm. and, and you don't do that sitting in a classroom. You, you have to do it. You have to practice it in real life. So yeah, yeah. he, he went out to, to LA a couple of months ago and had a layover in, um, in Las Vegas and his plane was delayed. So he was there for a while and just started up a conversation with, a, an old, older, elderly woman who, uh, a grandmotherly type and, Oh, you, you, you know, remind me of my grandson and, so they, they spent like several hours together just talking and speaking Spanish. And <laughs> that that's when and how you learn things is, mm -hmm. you know, in real life application. That's how you absorb it. That's how you retain it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as homeschooling goes, what is it how doable is it for let's say a family who has a couple kids but both parents work and both parents have to work um like what what how would you go about handling a scenario like that well so there are different ways that you can do that um so for example when i was um, in university, I had a literature teacher who her, they were both professors. She was a professor and her husband was a professor. 
So she taught the morning hours and he was with their child and she taught the afternoon hours Hmm. or he taught the afternoon hours and she was with their child. So they were able to work out a schedule like that. So it just depends, I guess, on the ages of your children, um, whether you have family support and there are also, I know locally here, we have what's called like a homeschool school where children can go in and the parents direct their education, essentially, okay, this is what they're doing. And they get to go in and do their school there in an environment. So they technically do have to go like to a class. Right. They get to have that self-directed method of doing it rather than the, the general across the board classroom instruction. So, so that's a good alternative. And there are certain schools and we, we need more of them. Honestly, we need more schools where children are self-directed and the like Montessori method. Mm-hmm. There are, we just have to get out of this mindset that there's one way for everyone to be educated. And that way is the way that's dictated by the federal department of education. Yeah. Yeah. No. uh, Yes. I I completely agree. How, what are, what are the first, like, let's say, let's say libertarian became governor. Let's say Shane Hazel became governor. What's the first thing one of the first things he could do to start us down that path as in Georgia? Well, so we already have moderate laws when it comes to homeschooling. Some, some states are just ridiculously um, oppressive when it comes to homeschooling. And essentially that they make it to where, you still have to follow very strict guidelines and you don't have a lot of. Uh Uh Oh, Elizabeth, I think we lost. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You had been talking about how oppressive some other States are and how moderate the laws are here in Georgia. Right. So I think that the, the biggest issue that we have here in Georgia with parents taking charge of their children's education is just an issue of mindset that we just have to look at different ways of educating. We have to get out of this idea that there's just one way to do it. Now the, they could make it easier. Um, So some States you just homeschool, you don't have to report to the state at all you don't really have to do anything in Georgia. You have to submit a declaration of intent that you are going to homeschool. And then every three years you give them testing, but there are no requirements of what to do with the testing. You just test them and you keep the tests, but you don't have to submit them or anything. And, Yeah, it's actually a lot easier. So when I first started, you had to fill out like attendance reports. 
mm. every month to send to your local board. So it actually became easier. And so I guess that you could eliminate those things, but those things really aren't that difficult to comply with. Gotcha. It's, um, it's more just the mentality of that's too difficult for me to do. Like there's right. no way I can do it kind of mindset. Right. So when it comes to like pure homeschooling or unschooling, mm -hmm. there's really not a whole lot that needs to be done. But in education in general, I think that what we could do is make it a lot easier to have some different kinds of alternatives, like little small pod schools or um, community schools. If you're going to make small private schools that can address needs like for those parents who have to work and who don't feel like they can can meet those needs for their children, make it easier for other people to step in and start a business teaching children and trust parents enough to say, OK, I can go and I can explore all the options and make these choices for my children. And I don't need the government to do all that for me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Like, I don't, I don't know how you start getting people out of that mindset other than just slow painstaking discussions, because like, it's like that with a ton of things, you know, like everybody thinks the government is supposed to do this and supposed to do that. Whereas, they didn't always do that and there's no reason for them to do everything. All these things that we expect or that are expected nowadays. Um, and yeah, that's just a, seems like a really big task to try try to change people's mindsets on that kind of thing. Well, there's a, a meme that, that I enjoy sharing every time it, it come, I come across it. That was a quote where someone said, if we, if we at six months old, if we started giving children walking lessons, if teachers started giving children walking lessons, that within a generation, we would come to think that children couldn't learn how to walk unless they were taught by a teacher to do so. Right. And it, it, it just, it's so true. It, it honestly is. And we have, had this mentality that we we want to delay adulthood to the point where you know, children aren't capable of doing things and adolescents aren't capable of doing things and they have to be monitored every single second and they have to be directed and controlled every single second and essentially what we're doing is we're setting up a scenario where they can't do anything because they have never been allowed to. Yeah. Yeah. Reminds me of that show. Did you ever watch the show Arrested Development? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of what it reminds me of. You're just basically not allowed. You're just exactly what the name implies. Your development is arrested and you're not, uh, you don't grow mentally and physically and all these things like as, as much as you would if you were, challenged you know yeah it's, it's children they have to learn how to take risks mm -hmm. they have to learn how to manage those risks they have to learn to be able to do things and take care of themselves 
And they can't do that if they're never allowed to have any freedom. Yeah. And if they're given safe spaces where they can go and avoid all the conflicts that are happening out in the world. Like I know Jordan Peterson said that like giving somebody a safe space is the exact opposite of what you should be doing with them, especially when when people are growing up. Um, you should be putting them in challenging situations, into conflict in a safe way, but they should be challenged in, in everything that they do so that they can grow more. And all of these things that are happening these days with the safe spaces and not allowing certain topics to be discussed and all this kind of stuff definitely seems to be detrimental to, to people's development. And, and you can like give them and teach them the tools that they need to be able to handle those situations and yeah. sit down with them ahead of time and, and help them work through those scenarios before they do that. You don't have to just, you know, throw them in the deep end of the swimming pool and, and say swim. You can, you can like help them out a little bit and help them to work gradually toward it. But at some point then you have to, okay, say you go. And it's hard. It's really hard because I, I say that children are, they're both a blessing and a curse. They're a blessing for obvious reasons, but it's a curse because you're never going to have a moment's peace the rest of your life <laughs> worrying about them. But when you control them and you don't let them do anything and you don't let them go, you're not doing that because it's what's best for them. You're doing that because it's what's easiest for you. And, you know, parents, they just have to, to come to recognize that, that letting go it's difficult, but it's an important part of, of growing up. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm also not, not sure that um, it's so obvious to a lot of people that children are a blessing these days. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess I can't speak for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure those reasons are so obvious to a bunch of people. I feel like a ton of people see the opposite of that and see all of the strife that's going to, that's going to occur because of having a kid. Um, well, Elizabeth, what else, uh, what else would you like to say in, in regards to homeschooling and unschooling? Well, I, I know that a lot of times people will look at it as, this is an alternative to public school because public school is, is terrible and we don't want our children in there. So we're just going to make the sacrifice and homeschool. And they view that as, as an alternative to something bad, but really, even if we had the best schools, homeschooling is just a superior form of education. It, it's, it's better for children, even if they have wonderful teachers and wonderful facilities, the idea that they go and that they sit in a desk for hours and that their days are structured and they're constantly monitored and they have no freedom, that is not a good scenario. And it doesn't matter how much money you throw at it. It doesn't matter how well behaved the children are that's just doing them it's just doing them an injustice mm -hmm. and i would say that anyone that has reservations about it i highly 
recommend reading John Taylor Gatto. Um, he's written several books and he was a, an award-winning teacher until he finally is, is like, you know, what I'm doing here is not serving children. I'm harming children and I'm not going to do it anymore. And Grace Llewellyn is also, she's written a book called the Teenage Liberation Handbook, which, which is a great book. Okay. And, and we were talking about um, like helping children to manage risks and so forth. And so one of the things that I've noticed, like in Europe, where they, they have a culture there so I knew a, a fellow who was from France and when he grew up, when he was five or six years old, they would put a little bit of wine in the bottom of a glass and they would fill the rest of it up with water. And then the older he got, the more they would transition to more wine and less water until he got to the point where he was an older teenager and he could drink wine and he could tolerate it. And we don't do that here. Instead, we're like, no, you're forbidden. You're forbidden until you're 21 years old. So then what happens? That, that's where the frat culture comes from. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm free now. And so this is why you have all of these college students who just absolutely go hog wild because they've never been able to do anything or allowed to do anything their whole life. And these aren't parental choices. This, this parents aren't even allowed to make those choices for their children. Right. And they should be able to, this is not a, a government, a government issue. The government shouldn't be dictating these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a really interesting point. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if you're, if you're restrained for 18 years and then all of a sudden you're let free on your own, you're, probably going to make some pretty bad decisions here and there. <laughs> and you set up a situation where it's an adversarial relationship between adults and children. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. it, children, they go to school. They don't look at the adults around them as wise mentors, as people that they look up to and want to grow up and emulate. They look at them as the enemy that's trying to control them. Mm -hmm. and, and that's not a, a healthy way for a society to, to operate in my opinion. No, not at all. Um, Elizabeth, our time's almost up. What, uh, what is the LP doing? This is LP doing anything this month uh, in regards to educational freedom and parental rights? Well, you were doing a lot of great podcasts. Hmm. Um, and we have a couple of, interesting blog articles out there that could be read on the website. We're doing a giveaway. We're giving away two sets of Tuttle Twins books. And so if you went out on our Facebook group, you should be able, and, and I think it's actually pinned on the Twitter account to the top. So yeah, go out and register. The, the last day is the 31st. So there's only a few days left to register for that. And also I encourage people to sign up for our Liberty Watch, which is our call to action network. Because when the legislative session meets in January, 
we have people in the Libertarian Party of Georgia that pay very close attention to policy. And so whenever anything comes along with education, we if, if there's anything that's concerning to libertarians, then we will send out that call to action so that you can contact your representative and, and let them know how you feel. Nice. I love that. That's amazing. Um, so yeah, for the Tuttle Twins book, uh, you got to go to our Twitter, which is LP Georgia or our Facebook group or page or both. I think it, sh it should be in both. Okay. Perfect. But I, know, I definitely know that it's in the group. If you, if you search on the group, you should be able to find it. Nice. And those links will be in the episode description. Um, yes. And also I think it's lpgeorgia.edu freedom. Mm should take you to that link. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I didn't know about that link until just now. <laughs> well, cool. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say before we sign off? Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Um, thank you all for tuning in. If you got something from this podcast, please drop a like, subscribe, um, share it share it is actually probably the best thing you can do besides subscribing on youtube apple spotify uh follow us on twitter and uh, we're just launching an instagram <laughs> uh facebook all of the above and uh yeah we'll see you again next week thanks for watching